Good morning. Uh, today's scripture reading comes from John 14, 15 through 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You also will live. In that day, you in that day, will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is the word of the Lord. How's it going? Good morning. I hope you guys had a good Christmas. Did everyone have a good Christmas with their family? Our family, we actually did a Korean barbecue because it was so hot. Like, it was really, really hot uh, this, um, this past Christmas. It really didn't feel like Christmas, at least to me. Um, it felt like summer, and so we decided we'll just do Korean barbecue, and we had a lot of fun. And uh, it's funny, like, uh, growing up for me personally, I, we, I didn't really, in, I grew up in Korea, didn't really, Christmas wasn't that big. It's probably much bigger now, uh, but back in the, when I left, uh, it wasn't that huge. So, like, I mean, like, the first few years, we didn't even do, like, a Christmas tree at our house when we were living here in the States. Um, but I remember I really, really wanted this remote control car, and so my dad got it for me. And um, for some reason, he, he just wrapped it and placed it in the fireplace. <laughs> so I was like... I mean, I, I didn't care then. I was just like, I just played with the remote control car. So anyhow, there's that. Anyhow, um, <laughs> Tommy is out of town uh, with his family for the holidays, so I'll be speaking this week. He'll be back next week. Uh, my name is Sam, and I'm part of the leadership here at Watermark. Uh, this morning, we will talk about uh, religion and the Holy Spirit. Uh, more specifically, uh, we will look at this transition that we see from going from gospel to Acts, uh, from Jesus to the Holy Spirit, reason why he have to, ha- had to leave, and sort of the significance uh, surrounding the mystery uh, over here. So, uh, let's pray and we'll get started. So, Father God, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your community. Thank you, Lord, for your church. I ask you, Holy Spirit, oh, Father, give us um, eyes to see and ears to hear and to listen to what you have to say, oh, Father God. And uh, I pray, Lord, even, even things that's coming out of my mouth, I pray, I pray, oh, Father God, that it is what you desire to communicate, um, that it's not my own words, Holy Spirit. And I just invite you, oh, God, that you would uh, transform our hearts. And I pray for a seed to be planted in our hearts so that it may take root, it may grow, um, and, and sort of listen to what you have to say. So I pray, oh, Father, for, you know, against any distractions, uh, keep our minds focused, and uh, what you have to say in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we were looking at uh, John uh, chapter 15, verse 15 to 21, and I, I, I think there is a real lack of understanding of the Holy Spirit, um, depending on different circles, and there's a lot of different ideas about the Holy Spirit that's out there as well, and some of the implications of His role as part of the Trinity— um, and, and sort of what his significance 
is for the body of Christ. I remember in one Bible study, we were asking the question, you know, what, who is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? You know, how is he like? And I, I remember we were just going around sharing what we believed it, what, you know, him to be. And I remember one guy describing God as sort of this presence that he would feel, uh, some sort of a force. And as I was rethinking that, and I watched Star Wars just recently, I just like think about, the, you know, is Holy Spirit like the force that helps us fight with lightsabers really, really well? Uh, obviously not. I mean, um, other times I think the way we talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, we treat him sort of like a family member uh, that you sort of know exists, but you really don't know about him or her at all. Sort of like, you know, the uncle that no one in your family really talks about. Uh, everyone knows he exists, but nobody really talks about him, and let alone not really invited to any family uh, gathering. So similarly, I think the Holy Spirit is not really much talked about uh, in some circles. And from my observation, I do feel like the Holy Spirit doesn't really get much attention, uh, time, or discussion of all things. Um, and obviously, I think there are reasons for that. And uh, I personally had a different experience with the with, um Holy Spirit and sort of getting there. I grew up in a very Pentecostal home, um, and I remember my, my dad was a pastor uh, with the Assemblies of God. Uh, I don't consider myself Pentecostal now, but I remember growing up, and um, it was uh, one of those Friday all-night prayer meetings, which is an awesome way to spend your Friday nights. Uh, my, parent, my mom took me uh, to this, and I was about 13 at the time, I believe, and um, my mom said, we're not leaving here until you start speaking in tongues. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Uh, I feel a little forced, but, you know, I'll try. And uh, I got to be honest, that really messed me up uh, <laughs> down the road. And, I mean, I think at that time, I believe I was doing something but, but I think in my early, uh, late teens and early 20s, I, I really was conflicted. I really was confused regarding what was really happening. And uh, it, it was just funny at the time, but I eventually was able to grasp that it's, Holy Spirit is really nothing uh, about the gifts of the Spirit. It, it, it's not just about speaking in tongues. It's much more about that. It's much more about grace. It's much more about love. And people like to talk about gifts of the Holy Spirit, but rarely you hear about fruits of the Holy Spirit, uh, which is joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, faithfulness. Uh, it says in Galatians, against such things, uh, there is no law. So I realize that not everything is quite crystal clear, clear regarding God, and there is some mystery around it, around the Holy Spirit. And I think people tend to be more comfortable with religious behaviors and rituals, because it's something tangible. It's something that we can grab hold of. It's something that we can control. It's something that we can manage. And unfortunately, in religion, man is at the helm saying who is in, who is out. It's all about works, while Jesus was more about grace. I think many people think religion is a, is a way to God, but Scripture tells us that it can become a, a block a roadblock for people. You can stumble on it. Religion makes certain things that gives us comfort and control. It's our own way to create the sense of security uh, without having to trust God. 
without having to really trust God. And it's not like only those people are religious. There's religion in, I think, all of our hearts to some degree. To look at it in another way, imagine a tree uh, in a forest, uh, tons of water. There's a lot of water that, you know, that it gets. And f- for that reason, it doesn't have, imagine the roots not having to shoot down very deep on earth. So whenever a storm comes or whenever bad weather arises, it is easily rooted out. It's easily found out because it doesn't have to go that deep. And, and I believe this is how religion can be in people's lives. When bad weather happens, there's no ground on to hold on to. Your faith is easily uprooted. So religion is like this sort of surface level, shallow roots that's out there. And, and sadly... I think the thing about religion, it, however that is, I think it spurs people to judgment. You're able to withhold your love from others. Um, and you miss the real target, which is grace, love, and faith. I think it's fascinating in Hebrew, uh, the writer talks about faith being assurance of things hoped for. Convictions of things not seen. And in that way, you can look at religion as possibly as an opposite of faith. So I'll talk about this morning and how this is impacted by the Holy Spirit. And to really walk in Christ, we need to turn away from religion uh, to Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I believe there are some helpful keys in this passage in John chapter 15. Um, Actually, I think Jesus actually goes on a very long discourse from 15, 16, and uh, 14, 15, and 16, actually. Uh, So there's some helpful stuff here. Now, going back to the passage, what's interesting is that it looks like Jesus had to leave in order for the Holy Spirit to come as a helper. So why did that have to happen? Wouldn't it be great if Jesus just stuck around and he was just here? You know, was he afraid that he was going to be one of those guys after you graduate from college, still hang around the campus? It's just randomly showing up at parties and stuff. In all seriousness, imagine if Jesus stayed back. And I I thought about this. If Jesus stayed back, he would have been able to, you know, increase his influence. Uh, He could have go to China. He could go to, you know, uh, Africa. He could have had the widest reach possible, miraculously heal people, feed millions Maybe there would have been peace in the Middle East. It would have eased suffering. There wouldn't be no starving children. Maybe no families fighting during Thanksgiving or Christmas dinners. It would be perfect. Um, It would have been great for the Jesus brand. And I think you would think that everyone would believe in Jesus then. But that actually didn't happen. It didn't happen at all. Could it be possible that maybe it could have not helped to expand the kingdom of God that Jesus declared if he stayed what, we, what would we believe in this person who lives for 2,000 years? Uh, obviously, this is all speculation, not 100% sure, but it may have been tough for us to get what God really wanted to do to overcome our own religious hearts because it would have been just a religious chaos pony show, and just insane, I think. So what's interesting, though, is that even during Jesus' ministry, within those three years, Uh, people showed up when he miraculously fed people. He drew crowds 
uh, when he was healing people, uh, when he was, you know, healing the lame, healing the blind where they could see. Um, so he created sort of this, this uh, local celebrity uh, around him. So a ton of people were following him when he was doing this. But however, when he got to the meat of his uh, message, when he got down to some of the fundamentals of self-sacrifice, love, turning away from your old life uh, and looking into the new life, people abandoned him. They were offended when Jesus talked about himself being the bread of life. They disappeared, and Jesus didn't really care about it either, it seems, about him not having followers. Uh, And if you think about it, Christianity really took off... uh, after Jesus left, after he ascended. It seems that even his disciples didn't really get it until Jesus left them. And I think people like the show, you know, the healings, the sensational stuff. This is what we like to follow. This is what we're attracted to, not the humble, not the unglamorous, you know, not the mundane stuff. It's not the kingdom of God. Sorry, it's not that the kingdom of God is boring, It's that we're distracted, I think, sometimes by the neon signs, by the flashing lights, and we cannot see the quiet beauty uh, that was in Jesus Christ. And I think it's the case that those who once saw the beauty of the gospel can also easily forget uh, due to distractions of this world. So remember when Jesus was on the mountain and he showed himself to uh, his disciples, some of his disciples, uh, where he was... uh, changing he was there was elijah and moses and so this was a huge deal uh for any any fans of the old testament uh and here's peter saying that hey you know what can i build you a shrine can i build you a tent for you and you and you and you can imagine in peter's mind that this is going to be glorious this is going to be awesome people are going to be you know coming from all different parts of the world to see where moses jesus and elijah was having a conversation But as soon as that happened, they disappeared, and Jesus says, don't tell anyone about this until I am risen from the dead. And you can imagine all that religious excitement just sort of fizzling out. So the same reason that the disciples didn't get it until Jesus ascended, we see in Acts chapter 1, right before Jesus ascends to heaven, the disciples ask him, so is it now that you will restore the kingdom of God? They still didn't get it. You know, they, they're still picturing this warrior God, this, you know, savior with a sword who will destroy Rome and liberate Jerusalem, defeating the enemies and restoring the nation. And, but that is not what happened. That's totally, you know, um, not what I think the disciples expected. He's... Instead, what he does is he spends the majority of time uh, with his disciples, and he promises us something. Oh, sorry. So in uh, verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it is neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So this word helper uh, is actually translated uh, in other, uh, besides ESV, uh, you will see comforter, 
counselor in different other translations. Uh, this word is parakletos. I, I think advocate actually might be the best way to look at it. And, and we know the advocate is actually the Holy Spirit uh, because he says that in verse 26. Uh, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus says something fascinating, though. He says the world cannot accept him because they cannot see him or know him because the world is totally ignorant and oblivious to the Holy Spirit. This is this religious nature of our hearts. We want to make shrines and temples, and we want to turn it into something that we would like to control. We would like to make it tangible in a way. Um, in the New Testament, Jesus becomes the temple. He becomes the, the high priest. He becomes this ultimate in a way, and he turns what we believe God to be sort of upside down, our own you know, ideas of God. And then he also says, you are the temple, you are the high priest. And when you look at Old Testament and New Testament, you continually see this pattern of God continually empowering his people. From, from Genesis, where he empowers Adam to get creative by naming you know, all the animals or whatnot, being a helper of him, uh, throughout the Old Testament, where God uses people to share and communicate his message, to animate what God has to say for the rest of us. God continues to empower men, and, and many times it's the opposite of how we are, because we like to take control. We like to take, we would like to accumulate, we like to you know, manipulate things in a way to our own desire and what we want. But he's not like that at all. That's the fascinating thing, isn't it? The paradox of, of God that he continues to give away power, but he is still sovereign. He is still God. Now, it wasn't always the case as those in the power uh, manipulating the Bible and controlling people, and we see this through different parts of the ages. Indulgence is actually a very good example in the late, latter part of the Middle Ages um, where Catholic Church said, hey, you know, if you want to see your loved ones um, ease suffering or free them from purgatory, just provide indulgence in the form of cash. Uh, and so creed was very, it's, it's ridiculous when we think about it now, but I mean, you, you can imagine at the time, the Bible wasn't really passed around. A lot of people didn't know how to read. Uh, only the religious elite had the Bible. Um, so there was a lot of manipulation at play. And so greed was very, it was so great, they promised eternal salvation and escape from damnation by the promise of money. And this was actually used to build the Vatican. So it's how crazy it is, but th this is very opposite of Jesus and what the Holy Spirit is actually saying in this passage and what the Holy Spirit is still doing in our lives. You see, Jesus was interested in building the kingdom of God that is all about serving. It's not about the show. It's not about the dazzle. It's not about control. Jesus wasn't really interested in the surface level stuff. He doesn't care about the fame. He doesn't care about sensationalism. He didn't care about power. He cares about Love. He cares about faithfulness. Religion is not what God intended or what Jesus intended. Religion is the very opposite of that. So what does Jesus want? What does the Holy Spirit want? So we'll look at the second reason why uh, Jesus had to leave and the Holy Spirit had to come. So 
Uh, let me see where it says. Toward the, uh, toward the end, in uh, chapter 16, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So toward the end, he says, I have to go or I can't send the Holy Spirit. Um, in earlier chapter 14, uh, he says, another helper, meaning he was the initial helper, the initial uh, parakletos, the initial advocate, uh, chapter 14, verse 16, I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So that's the key. We'll go into that. Even though the Holy Spirit is another person, another advocate, Parakletos, who will be with you forever, he is the spirit of truth. In verse 17, you know him. You know him. Who is that they knew? It was Jesus. He's going on to say, hey, this, even though I'm leaving, this Holy Spirit, this helper, this second Parakletos, he is me. I am him. I've been here on earth physically, sacrificed myself on the cross, but now a new thing has to happen. I was the teacher that walked beside you, but then I will be the teacher in you. I was the counselor that talked to you, but now I will be the counselor in you. I was the advocate that helped you, but now I will be the advocate to empower you from inside out to move in the kingdom of God. In many ways, I have to go so that I can transform you inside out. And this is totally the opposite, I think, sometimes of how many of us think, because we think of God being so far away, not close to us at all. When, you know, things hit the fan, when life is a mess, when tragedy strikes, uh, when your heart is broken, when a family member dies... We don't think God in this term of being right here and right now. It's very tough to imagine that. But here he is saying, I am right here with you. I am in you. So why does it have to be this way, though? This absence of physical, but Jesus Christ is in us. Um. In John chapter 14, sorry, I don't have it here. Let me see. Sorry, I didn't get connected to the PowerPoint. Truly, truly, in John chapter 14, verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Listen to that again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So there's some mystery in this, I acknowledge that, but, but it appears that he is saying that because Jesus is going to the Father, that we, those who believe in him, his children, will not only continue the work that he does, but will do even greater works. That sounds ridiculous. How can we do greater works than Jesus Christ? You know, how can we top Jesus? How can we 
be better. I'm better than Jesus. It's, it sounds bizarre, but the word greater actually doesn't necessarily mean superior. It could also mean greater in terms of amount. So looking at early parts of Acts, you see that the people were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do greater works. And looking at it numerically alone in terms of the people who started following Jesus Christ was just astounding. When you look at the Pentecost in early parts of Acts, uh, book of Acts, it surpassed the people, the amount of people that believed in Jesus within Jesus' three years of ministry. Um, so imagine the numbers of people whose lives were impacted, those who were healed, those who were saved, those who decide to follow Jesus within the last 2,000 years, and it's just mind-blowing. And this is this continued work of Jesus Christ. You and I, we are you know, here today. We believe in Jesus Christ not because of our own efforts, but because of our parents or because of our friends, because of those who saved them as well. And then it goes back on and on and on and on and go back in history to Jesus Christ. So we are related. We're all the body of Christ in one way. And because of the Holy Spirit, because of the kingdom of God, this is global. It's personal at the same time while it's also global. So it's no longer just Jesus in one body. It's Jesus making up the body of Christ the many. You see what I'm trying to say? So it's not that Jesus was being able to do all these things that he was able to do by himself. He's saying, I'm empowering all of you to be like me, or you will be like me. Early church fathers said that every movement of God toward us begins with the Father, comes through the Son, and is accomplished in the Holy Spirit. It means we really need the Holy Spirit and be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the kingdom of God. So where do we go from here? Well, don't let your Christianity solely be about going to church. Let it be about community. Let it be about friends. Let it be about serving. Don't let it be about rituals and praying and just reading the Bible alone where you are applying these understanding and the message of the gospel in our daily lives don't let your faith just be a statement of faith what you believe in and bullet points or whatnot it's how you live day in and day out it's how you treat your neighbors it's how you treat the marginalized in uh, matthew chapter 25 says then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom Prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer to him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer to them, truly I say to you, as you did to, to the, one, the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. So in order for us to live this out, we have to trust God. We have to believe. We have to trust the Holy Spirit in the sense that he is living, he is incarnate, he is living inside of you, transforming you inside out and transforming those around you. It's much like a, like a marriage when you're making that commitment. You, you have no idea. Um, 
there are unknowns, there's mysteries. But you take this step into this beautiful covenant and you decide to follow him every day. So this morning we're going to uh, do communion like we do every week. It's not a ritual, it's, it's this reminder. Well, it's actually just based on your heart, isn't it? It's a ritual if it's a ritual in your heart. But this is a reminder of his sacrifice. Um, in a world of this material possession and meaninglessness, here's something I think that's very real. You can taste, you can touch, you can drink it, you can eat it. And, and it goes down inside of you to remind you that he now lives in you. So we're going to, so take time to pray. Um, and I, I think prayer is this sort of sacred place where heaven and your reality interlocks, connects. Uh, so ask God, is there a part of your life where you've kept away from God? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. It's not an instance where it's like a deal breaker, but like in any relationship where you hold something back and it strains the relationship. Is there anything in your life that's doing that? And ask God to empower you to transform you from inside and out so that you can be Jesus uh, in the world. So let's pray, and uh, we'll have communion. So, Father God, thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for your, your love for us, your s- such deep love. And sometimes we forget, in the midst of our own religious hearts, um, busyness in our lives, we forget the, the truth, the beauty um, that you have brought in our lives. And I pray, Holy Spirit, Lord, because it really requires you to show and reveal in our own hearts, oh, Father. I pray, Lord, too, that uh, we would be able to quiet our own minds, that we would be able to silence our own logic, and that we may be able to listen to what you have to say and, and, and see the work that you're already doing in our lives and our families' lives and those around us and in the world. In the name of Jesus, amen.